Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Luke chapter 19. We'll read 10 verses. But the sermon will come all from verse 10. What is the meaning of Christmas? Now, you might think, well, where in the Bible is the Christmas story? That's a tricky question because we're in Luke 19, a story about Jesus meeting Zacchaeus. But if you look at it correctly, you realize that Everywhere you open your Bible, that's the Christmas story. It's about a Savior who came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And uh, we're going to take a look at Jesus' meeting with Zacchaeus. And I hope and pray today we're going to try to keep it really simple. We're going to talk about what does Christmas really mean. Beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 19, it says, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. And was unable because of the crowd. A lot of people have that problem to this very day. They come to church to see Jesus. They see everyone but him. Hear everything about all things except about Jesus. We have to get past the crowd sometimes. We'll get in your way. They got in his way. For he was small in stature, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. Not a tree like we call sycamores here in America. Nothing like that at all. Suko was a word for fig. Uh, and the word morin was a word for, uh, or morian was a word for uh, mulberry. It's actually a fig mulberry tree, different than ours. In order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. The only time Jesus ever invites himself into someone's house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. And then our verse. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't think there's a more pressing question in all the world today, whether we realize it or not, than the question of why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did he come? It's not just enough to know who Jesus is. By and large, I think the world understands what we as Christians believe about Jesus. But what the world wants to know is why did he come and what difference does it make? Uh, Christmas has lost a, a lot of that meaning for most people. Very few are thinking about a Savior Very few are thinking about how life has got them up a tree with nowhere else to go. Very few of them are thinking about how well they've done in life, but how miserable they may still be. Uh, Very few of them can relate to Zacchaeus. They're just not 
thinking about that, but I can tell you it is an essential question. As a matter of fact, God coming to this earth, incarnation, the, the flesh, God becoming flesh, that is the clearest revelation that Jesus ever gave us. You don't have to speak a word, you just see it, you just know it. He came here and he became flesh among us. The clearest revelation that he ever gave us. No words to get mixed up. No, no words to translate. No deep theological meanings to, to deal with there. He came to this world. Uh, he became flesh. God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Clearest revelation he ever gave us. And yet, that seems to be the most difficult for us to understand or believe. I don't think many people understand Jesus in our world today. I know that may sound like, well, yeah, we, we know that. But I, I want us to think about why they may not. It, 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 I, I thought about it like this. If, if St. Nicholas, we all know who old St. Nick is, right? If St. Nicholas came back from the dead and came to the world today, I bet you he would look at us and go, wow, you don't have a clue as to who I am, do you? Because we would ask him questions like, well, how's weather at the North Pole? He'd go, well, I don't know. I've never been there. You see, there really was a St. Nicholas. He was born in about A.D. 270. He lived to be 73 years old. He dies in Asia Minor or Turkey. He's buried there in a place called Myra. We know where his tomb is to this very day. He was born to very rich parents, Theophanus and Norma, I think was her name. Um, and He was born to very rich parents. They died of some disease, both of them, when he was very young. But he grew up and he took the money that he inherited from his parents and he was very, very generous with it. And, and, and he loved the Lord. He finally uh, was uh, beatified later as a saint by the Catholic Church, of course. But uh, he was uh, a very generous man. The point is, he was a very, very real person. St. Nicholas really did exist. But if he came into our world today and you said, hey... I saw you down at the mall the other day. <laughs> if he saw that big fat dude in the red suit, he would go, no, I've never worn anything like that in my life. That looks kind of ridiculous. I'm just guessing. And if you ask him about the reindeer, he would tell you, I've never seen one in my life. We didn't have reindeer over there in Turkey. And then if you ask him about, well, Rudolph, doesn't you have one with a really shiny nose? You would even say it glows he wouldn't have a clue I think he would conclude that you know you don't really have any idea who I am do you you have taken me out of history now I'm paraphrasing him here you have ripped me right out of history a real person that really lived on this earth and you have so layered me with your own imaginations. You have, uh, and, and so many Christian uh, Christmas traditions come from, from music, songs that people write. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer it was really, it came about because of a song. And, and, and then we have uh, Frosty the Snowman that never mentions Christmas. And, and it, just tons of things like that. And we just kept piling it on. And, and if you looked at St. Nicholas and told him, hey, are you ready uh, for Christmas Eve this year on the 24th? We know you got a lot of work to do. He would look at you like you were crazy because in his day they didn't even celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. When he lived, they still celebrated Christmas on January the 6th. He, he would have no clue. He would finally have to conclude that you people really have no clue at all as to who I am. Now, fortunately for us, we won't have to deal with that embarrassment because St. Nicholas is not coming back. But someone is. And his name is Jesus. And I wonder when he comes if perhaps he might not look at us and go, you know, you kind of did the same thing to me. I really did come. I really lived on this earth. 
not only does the Bible record bear it out, but the historical records bear it out as well. But so many things you think about me have nothing at all to do with what I actually did when I was here. And so many things that you have layered on top of me about uh, uh, who I am and what I stood for, so many of your ideas do not coincide with the, the facts. So many things you say I taught, I never taught in my life. And so many things you omit, I kept repeating. You're not telling people that the very first sermon I preached was repent of your sins. That was the first sermon I preached. You dress me up like this big old jolly sweet uh, uh, guy that boy he just takes all the downcast and all the downtrodden and, and all you got to do is be pitiful and, 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 and I will like you. And I came to, you, you got me, some of you made me a Republican. And some of you made me a Democrat. I know people that have made Jesus pro-choice. If you really go to the radical ends of it, there's some who claim Jesus was also gay and had sexual relations with the disciples. I mean, it just gets ridiculous. And I know we don't go that far, but in our churches there are a lot of things about Jesus Christ that I'm afraid one day He may come back here and look at us and go, you know, you don't know me at all. You act like I came to operate a soup kitchen, put government in its place, to war for social justice. To hang out like a hippie with the downcast and downtrodden. Feel sorry for them. And die. And go away. And that's not who I am at all. Some of those things may be true, but that's not an understanding of Jesus. It's not an understanding of why He came. It's not an understanding of who He is. And here's the sad part about it. Not only is He going to look at us, and this is His words, some more of those words that we rarely repeat. I mean, it's sort of like Lottie Moon. Kathy's enlightened us a lot about her. That, that gal was a lot tougher than I realized. She got in more trouble than I ever realized. I'm not, I'm not so sure. We've already given our money to Lottie Moon. I'm, I'm going to ask for a refund. Unless this story gets better by next week. Now what I'm saying is it's amazing when you really look at the person and you really look at the facts about them. And with Lottie Moon and with St. Nicholas, it's one thing. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we cannot afford to get it wrong. Because I want to tell you, one of these days when he does come back, he says that, that, that I think he's going to look at us and go, well, you never had a clue as to who I was. And he even stated this, that I will look at many of you and say, not only do you not know who I am, Unfortunately, I don't know who you are either. I think we better unwrap this a little bit. So I want us to look at just verse 10. Oh, we'll reach up and glean some low-hanging fruit from the first nine verses, but I want us to understand Christmas. What does it really mean? Three questions, and they're really simple. One, who came? at Christmas. Who was he? Two, what did he do when he came? Number three, why did he do it? And it's all in verse 10. Let's look at who came. He's called the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who is the Son of Man? Why is he called the Son of Man? Eighty-eight times in the gospel he is called, or in the gospel accounts, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. As a matter of fact, it was his favorite title that he would ever use for himself. He would always almost call himself the Son of Man. Now, is he the Son of Man or is he the Son of God? Well, which is it? Well, the answer to that is yes. And I, I can tell you, that might be hard to wrap our minds around, but it's time we did it. Yes, he was the Son of God and he was the Son of Man. But part of that is because we just did, don't understand Part, part in part the culture of that day and some of the idiomatic thinking. And that just means uh, the things that they thought in their culture. We would say, for example, an idiom in our culture is it's raining cats and dogs. 
Go to India and tell them it's raining cats and dogs. They look at you funny. It's just something we say in our culture, and we all understand it. For them to say son of something was way different than the way we would understand it in our culture. The word son in the Hebrew is ben. The word son in the Aramaic, which is very much akin to the Hebrew, is bar. So we have a lot of guys in the Bible that their name starts with ben or bar. We have Benjamin. Ben-Yachmin is his name, and it means son of my right hand. We have Barnabas. Now, Barnabas' name means son of consolation or son of comfort. The reason he's called that, because his real name, does anybody know? Just take a guess. What was his real name? His real name was Joseph. Barnabas' real name was Joseph. But he went by Barnabas because he was the epitome. He personified comfort. When you were down, you wanted to run into Barnabas. Paul would tell you, just get over. But not Barnabas. When Paul says, Mark, you can't hang with it, son. If you can't hang with it, buddy, you can't go with me. And Barnabas said, well, I'll take him. And and he and I will go together. And boy, what an awesome work God did through Barnabas in Mark's life. Because later at the end of Paul's life, he is ministering with Mark and esteems him highly. But that's who he was. He epitomized that. And so, first of all, the, the being called the son of is, number one, a sign of humility. Jesus is saying, I am God, but I am the epitome of humanity. I've not sinned, and I won't sin. But I feel pain. I hurt. I get tired. I'm sure that he got aggravated. I'm sure that there were things that, that, that bothered him. He got sick. There were days he fell asleep and, and uh, unintentionally because he was weary. And, and we know that he was hungry because he was out in the wilderness there and Satan met him and tried to play on some of those things thinking that he is the son of man. He is the epitome of human beings. I'm going out there, Satan talking here, me paraphrasing him, but I'm going out and I'm going to play on some of those things because he is so human, I'm making worm my way into his life and wreck his entire plan if I can highlight the need for food and maybe show him a less painful way to gain glory and to prove who he is. Satan failed at that. But it was a sign of humility. Son of man. Complete man. Just like you and I. Tempted on all points like we are. Sign of humility. It was also a sign of humanity. Someone has said that Jesus was everything God intended Adam to be, but Adam wasn't. And to show you how this plays out in Scripture... Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Another verse I'll read, 1 Corinthians 14, 45. So it is also written, The first son of man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You see, he is what God intended for Adam to be. Jesus fulfills all of that. He's called the, the second Adam. The first Adam was a failure. The second Adam was an awesome success. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam brought life. He said, however, in verse 46, the spiritual is... Not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual came. The first man is from the earth, earthly. The second man is from heaven. So it's a sign of humanity and humility. John Dunn wrote a little poem. I like it because it's short and I can 
remember most of it, but he, he was a poet, I think in the 1700s, I'm not sure, but English poet John Donne said, "'Twas much that man was made like God before, but that God should be like man much more." Wow. It was something for God to create us in his image. But for God himself to become flesh, not take on flesh, but to become flesh and to live among us is an even greater miracle. Son of man is used in the Old Testament quite often. Ezekiel is called son of man 93 times. But he's a son of man. Jesus Christ is the son of man. Thirdly, and we'll move on after this, but it's a sign of humility, humanity. It's also a sign of divinity. Because if you look back in the Old Testament at some of the prophets, they prophesied about one who would come who would be called the Son of Man. But they make it clear, and I don't think they understood this fully. As a matter of fact, let me read you a passage from Daniel chapter 7 that I doubt he understood very much at all. But Daniel said, I had a vision one time. Daniel has just finished talking about the great kingdoms of the Greeks and the great powerful kingdom of the Persians and the powerful kingdom of the Babylonians. And then, boy, there was one that had teeth like iron. And that was the Roman kingdom that he prophesied about that would come. And, boy, all of these kingdoms were awesome. All of them were powerful, but all of them eventually failed. But Daniel said right after that, that I saw in the night visions, Daniel 7, 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That means he looked human. And he came to the ancient of days. Don't have time to flesh it out, but that's God. That's God. In Jewish culture, they thought the older you were, the more authority you had. God says, well, guess what? I've been here forever. I am the ancient of days. He came to the ancient of days, as Son of Man did, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. So when Jesus comes and says, I'm the Son of Man, he said, I'm the one they talked about. I'm the one you heard about already. It's a sign of divinity. Some people claim Jesus never claimed to be divine. I, boy, that's such a misnomer. I, again, Jesus would go, you didn't, you, you didn't read the book I sent, did you? you? You think about several times. The Jews never doubted Jesus saying he was his claim. They doubted he was God. Some of them knew he was, but still turned against him anyway. But a lot of them, they never, none of them doubted that Jesus clearly made the claim that he was God. That's why he got crucified. You don't get crucified by healing people. You don't get crucified for feeding hungry people. You get crucified because you commit blasphemy. And you, when you claim that you are God or even equal with God, oh, that is a penalty by death. Oh, the Jews were talking to him about Abraham. You remember the passage in uh, John uh, chapter 8, I believe it is. And they were just rattling on about Abraham as our father and all of that. And remember what he said before Abraham was, I am. He is assuming the very name that God gave Moses, and they knew this. The very same name that God gave Moses for himself when Moses said, Who am I to say is sending me to rescue these people out of Egypt? They're going to want to know which God this is. They've met a lot of gods since they've been here. And I'm not saying they've totally forgotten you, but they're going to want to know a name, and I need to give them one. And God just cleared it all up so well for him. 
He said, you just tell them I am. I just am. I am the verb to be, Moses. I'm sure Moses thought, okay, yeah, that should do it. I'll just tell them that. Wow, I am has sent me to you. They tried to stone him to death for that. I, I want to close this point, but I want to tell you, it is interesting that Jesus is called the Son of Man, Son of Man, Son of Man, all through the gospel. Until the day of Pentecost, and on the first day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells his people, never again chronologically in any of Scripture is Jesus called the Son of Man. He is then called the Son of God. And what is really interesting is after that, before that, his children had been called the sons of men. But after they had been received the indwelling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God, from that point on, his people are never again called sons of men. His people are called sons of God. Can you say mission complete? Hallelujah. Wow. Well, who came? God came. That's who came. Secondly, what did he come to do? He came to seek and to save. That's what he came to do. He came to seek and to save. Luke in chapter 15 says he came to seek that which was lost, just like the shepherd in 15 that lost his sheep. He went out, left the 90 and 90, and he went out and he sought that sheep. That word seek is a, is a hunter's term. It is a, uh, it, it, it is a term that uh, uh, means you were out there giving it all you got. You were, you were looking for prey. Back then they didn't really hunt for fun. They hunted for food, but... But, but it was that, that words for seek is he is constantly looking for those that, is, that are lost. He was looking for the lost sheep. Luke 15 also says, tells us about the lost silver. Says a woman had ten coins. She lost one of them. And, and she just swept the whole house. And she did not stop until she found that precious coin. And then the, he closes out with the man who had the lost son. And the lost son went away, you remember. And, but the father was looking for him, waiting on his return. That's the kind of God that we have. He is looking for and seeking those who are lost. And that's what Jesus did. It blew everybody's mind that he would care about somebody like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was one of the most hated men in town. As a matter of fact, first of all, he lived in Jericho. That was a, a very rich place to live. They, they had this fig business. They also had this balsam vi- business where they had all these expensive perfumes. It was a, a, a great area for markets, and people made a lot of money. And if you, were in a, if you were a tax collector, not just a tax collector, Architalones is a word that says Zacchaeus was over the other tax collectors. He ran the tax collection office. So if you're there in that position in a rich town, man, you got a lot of money. I'm just telling you. And by the way, as far as that business of him cheating people, well, golly, Bill, his name, Zacchaeus, meant pure one. Uh, it sort of reminds me when I think of that, you know, on Facebook, it'll tell you what your name means. I hope you don't believe any of that. It is about as crazy as the Zodiac. Honestly, it, it, it is. It, it, this is what your name means. You notice nobody's name ever means anything negative. Nobody's name means, yeah, you're a knucklehead. No, it always means princess or shining one or eagle feather or something. Names don't mean diddly. Zacchaeus meant pure one. The pure one is here to collect taxes. They cheated everybody. They had a law firm back then called We Cheat Them and How. And buddy, they did. They cheated everybody. 
They took more than they were supposed to. But they had the authority of the government behind them. What are you going to do? It's like calling the IRS up and telling them, look, I'm not sending you anything. I've sent you enough. Yeah, okay. What you don't send, we'll come get. It doesn't matter. You, you were helpless. You were totally helpless in that situation. He took advantage of so many people. But Jesus comes there, and Zacchaeus runs out and gets ahead of him, climbs up in a tree. And when Jesus is walking under the tree, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus. Get down and get down fast because I need to go to your house today. I want to get in your house. I don't want to just meet you on the street. I want in your house. I, I, I want to be able to see what kind of magazines are lying around on the coffee table. I want to see what's for drink in the fridge. I'm coming to your house today. And instead of getting upset about it, Zacchaeus was like, Man, yes, he was glad. God was already working on his heart. It said he received him gladly. And you notice when the people began to murmur about, well, he's going into the house of a sinner to eat with him. Zacchaeus didn't get on Facebook and talk about church people and how they ran me off and that's why I quit and all that stuff. He never even acknowledged them one time. His focus was on the Savior he broke right into, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I have defrauded anybody, I'm going to give back four times what I took. That was way more than the Levitical law required of him. In Exodus 22, it lays it out, what you had to do. If you took it by force, there was one amount you had to give back. If you took something and lost it, there was another amount. But if you just swindled somebody, it was way less than four times what you had to give back. To make restitution. He says I don't care. I'm going to make it four times. I'm not just going from a wolf to a sheep. I'm going from a wolf to a shepherd Lord. I'm going to start taking care of the poor. I'm going to give them half of everything I own. Now none of that saved him. Don't ever think that. When he wrote the check, God said, you can go to heaven because you've been a good boy. That is not what happened. He was a sinner, and he was lost, and he had to be saved. We'll close with that in a moment, but I just want you to understand, that's who Jesus came seeking. And if you read the Gospels, he was always doing it. When he told his disciples, I need to go through Samaria, Remember, he went to Jacob's well. I think that's the coolest story in the world. You know why? Because way back in the Old Testament, nearly 2,000 years prior, Jacob went to that very same well. And what was he looking for? He was looking for his bride. And Jesus, 2,000 years later, almost comes along. And you know what he's looking for? He's looking for his bride. He wants to meet this Samaritan woman. He sought her out. I mean, she was. Woo. Just think about this gal. Been married five times and still lying about it. That's, boy, that's a bona fide church member right there if I've ever seen one. And finally, after she talks religion like an out-of-town preacher, Jesus finally just shuts her up and says, Go tell your husband. She, I don't have a... See how these little half-truths work with humans, but they don't work with God. He said, oh, I know you don't have a husband now, but you have had five. And the guy you shacked up with right now is not your husband. Don't you know, in that little town of Sychar, when a woman comes back and says, come out here to the well and meet a man that told me everything I did, I bet there were a lot of dudes in that town that was like, whoa, whoa. He told you everything you did. Because some of them guys were in on some of the stuff she did. They were ready to treat her like an outcast. She wasn't there with other ladies fellowshipping. She was there by herself. Until Jesus came. Seeking her. That's why he came. Or that's what he came to do. To seek and to save those caught in adultery, blind beggars, lepers, wild men living in tombs, self-righteous Pharisees. He came to seek those 
People that thought they didn't need him. He came seeking fishermen, politicians, whew, radicals, physicians, tax collectors, rich men at the top of the heap, poor folks that no one else would touch. He came to seek the prostitutes and drunkards. And they loved him for it. They loved him for it. Man, that's why, that's what he came to do. I thought about this this week. I'm skipping so much because I, I don't want to keep you too long. But I don't think sometimes in our context we really realize when he says, I came to seek the, the worst of the worst. I don't think we realize that he meant that. I, I, I just tell you, I, I think about people that they sure get on my nerves. I thought about the guy this week. I watched Fox News some. There was a guy, if you saw any of it this week, he burned their Christmas tree down in New York. He was a vagrant. He just did all kinds of things. He's ruined his life. And, of course, New York locked him up. And he was out on the streets. Matter of fact, they built the tree back. And when they built the tree back and had the tree lighting, they had a big ceremony, and it was a victorious kind of thing. I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. But there was a, a, a black preacher there who loved the stuff that he had to say, man. He could preach. Then they had a rabbi there, and he spoke. And then they had a Catholic priest there, and he spoke. And they're all talking about, you can burn it down and we'll build it back. And they said the next day that during the whole service across the street out of jail was the guy that burned it down watching the whole thing. I suspect had Jesus been there, perhaps instead of being over at the big tree lighting, Jesus would have been over seeking a man who had lost everything in life. That all he wanted to do was destroy stuff that didn't even belong to him. A man that was a homeless vagrant that deserved to be in jail, and he did. But he wasn't. But I can tell you, God loves that man. It gets worse. I don't know of anybody that's got on my nerves more lately than Jesse Smollett. Some of the things he's done is absolutely outrageous. Some of the things he talked about would just about make you gag about his relationship with his male friends and all of the things that he did and all of the lies that he told. He is the picture of deception. But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ would save him in a heartbeat if he would just turn to him and repent because that's who Jesus comes to seek. People just like that. People that are in such need of significance in their life. Even though they're superstars and millionaires, they're still having to go out and lie about things and make up entire events to try to get on the front page of the news because they, they are, they're in such need of, of, of some kind of significance in their life. Jesus Christ could be that missing part for that young man if he let him. And it's not just them. It's old, fine church people like me and you. I think they might be the worst. I don't say they're the worst as far as doing horrible things. Sometimes that happens. But we're the hardest to save because we already think we're doing well. We already think we're all right. We've passed judgment on the Smollett's and we've passed judgment on people who burn down other people's Christmas trees and all of that, and we know we would never do anything like that. And, and matter of fact, we keep an eye out and make sure folks like that don't show up here and all that kind of stuff. We, we, we got all of that going on in our minds, and there's a lot of churches that are all over the United States that are meeting this morning. There's certain kinds of people that they would never, ever let in their doors. It may be because of race. It may be because of behavior. And sometimes I understand. For safety reasons, you have to do that. But i got to tell you something. Us old church people, sometimes we can be the hardest to save because we are depending on our self-righteousness instead of trusting in God. 
to seek and to save. Last of all, the why he came. To seek and to save that which was lost. That which was lost. The word for lost, apolumi, apo is away from. It's a preposition. The, the word means to cut away from or to, to remove away from. I, I, I hate to use it as an illustration, but it's so perfect. Those foundations you saw in Kentucky where there used to be a house, that is the perfect picture of this word. Totally destroyed. Away. Cut away. Separated. Hopeless. That's what the word lost means. That's why he came. To seek and to save those who are helpless, hopeless, cut, cut away from society. You just think about it. Now, I, I know why he climbed the tree. He was short of stature and all of that. But life already had Zacchaeus treed. When you get up a tree, there's really nowhere to go, is there? I remember in my years of hunting, I used to be a big-time raccoon hunter, man. and I had an old dog named Duke. They named a mayonnaise in a university after him. He was a pretty famous dog, whether you knew it or not. Man alive. Duke would run. He had such a distinct bark, though, when he was running. And then when the coon went up the tree, his bark changed. Not all dogs were that distinctive. I loved hunting with the Hodge boys over on Union Road. And they loved hunting with me because when they heard Duke give the bark, they could recognize it. A lot of times a dog... It, you have to be his owner to know that, hey, he just looked up a tree. Duke was so distinctive. He'd get right quiet for a second, and then he'd give that long ball, and it was just kind of, ooh, down on the end. I, I would do it for you, but we're on television or Internet. The Hodge boys ago, he's tree preacher. They knew then the old raccoon had gone as far as he could go. There was nowhere to go. When life gets you up a tree, you're done running, friend. You're not going to fly. Now, that raccoon, I couldn't have caught one of them in my heyday. But I could go down there and get that one. I'd walk through the woods. He would bark till I got there. And it didn't matter if I didn't show up for eight hours. If I lost him and he was out of here and, and I didn't even know where he was, I would finally ride the roads and it might be daylight the next morning and he would still be at that tree chopping away. I could go get that coon because he had nowhere to go. As I close this morning, I want to tell you something. There are a lot of people in our world they have nowhere else to go. They might be like Zacchaeus. They might be rich and have a lot of things as far as this world is concerned, but uh, so unhappy. Something was missing in Zacchaeus' life, and it was Jesus. Maybe you'd say, well, I'm not rich by any stretch. But life's got me up a tree too, Pastor. I think in my marriage I've gone as far as I can go. I've heard that so many times. I think I've done all I can do. I've forgiven all I can. I've put up with more than I can stand. With my teenager, I've given up. I, I just don't know what else to do. I still pray for him or her. But now I know I am helpless. I'm up a tree 
with one of the dearest relationships I have in my life. Somebody I love more than my next breath is destroying their life and I can't do anything about it. Maybe the test results have come back from the doctor and it wasn't good. Man. I never ever knew what that was like for most of my life. Now I know what it feels like to have a doctor say one sentence with one word in it. And it feels like you've been kicked in the chest. It's the C word. Don't want to hear it. A lot of uncertainty. Boy, it'll knock the life out of you. Oh, God's been good since then. He's done a lot of healing. But I can just tell you, for others and maybe one day for me, that story might be different. Maybe life's got you up a tree. I'll tell you this as I close. It's an old saying. Some of you have memorized it probably. You've heard it so long, but I want to close with it. Our greatest need, if it had been information, God would have sent an educator. If it had been technology, he would have sent a scientist. If it had been money, he would have sent an economist. If it had been pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. God sent a Savior. That's who came. That's what he did. And that's why he did it. That's Christmas. That's the meaning of it. Man, if you this morning, if you have never in your life had your Zacchaeus moment, where you just said, God, I need you so badly. You know, in that day, men didn't run. Zacchaeus did. It was uncouth for a, an adult male to run in public. He just didn't do it. It was also uncouth to climb a tree in public. But Zacchaeus said, I've had enough of couth. I can buy couth. I need a Savior. I got money piled so high at the house, I'll never spend it all. My bank account is full, but my heart and my life is empty. If you're here this morning, oh, and if you're a church member, hmm, I don't know. It'll take a miracle to save you. But guess what? It took a miracle to save all of us. Because you're probably sitting there right now thinking, well, I, I've joined the church and I've kind of done what he's talking about and I feel like in my heart I'm... Mm-hmm. You know. Has there ever been a time in your life when you said, God, I want from this moment on to totally depend on not on my works not on me being a decent person not on going to church not on giving half of my goods to the poor not making restitution if I've ever hurt anybody no 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 from this point on God I want to depend on nothing nothing but your righteousness that you offer to me as a gift of grace because you died on the cross for my sin. And from this day forward, I want to totally trust in that for my salvation. And I'm not just going to do it. I won't leave here today till I find an elder or I find someone in that church and I tell them what I did. I, I, I'm not going to make it so easy. Just come pray, fill out a card. No. You're going to have to climb a tree this morning. But maybe you're at the point you're ready. Now, I'll climb a tree. I don't care. I don't want to live like this anymore. Had enough Christmases without Jesus. Don't want another one. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I ask you, Father, 
Touch our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's someone here that feels like, oh, if Pastor Mike really knew who I was, if he really knew what I was all about, he'd know I couldn't be saved. He'd, he'd know that I've, I've tried that, that, that I've made commitments before that I didn't keep. God, I just pray right now you touch that dear soul's heart. And I pray no matter what someone has done, what promises they made they didn't keep, what lies they've told themselves about their own life, whatever little religious thing they did, filled out a card somewhere, joined the church, maybe they were even baptized, whatever. God, I pray right now you would just strip that away from their mind and help them right now to ask themselves, have I ever really trusted in you? Am I on a daily basis trusting in you? And what you did on the cross for my salvation. I pray you speak to their heart, God. And help us, Lord, as a church. Help us as your people to tell the world what Christmas is really about. We have this conversation every year, God. Oh, we know certain things that we know it's not about that. We fight about saying Merry Christmas. We, we, God, we, we get so distracted. I pray, though, Lord, that we'd go beyond that. We would commit through Lottie Moon, through our giving, through our time. Lord, that we'd commit ourselves to telling the world who came, what you did when you came, and why you came. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.